does a person become a Christian? Who is responsible for the faith in a person's heart? How does faith get there? These are just some of the questions that we will answer in our latest podcast series on the book Conversion from the People's Bible Teachings series. You can purchase a copy from Grace or pick up a copy from our Northwestern Publishing House. Even if you aren't able to read the book, you can still join us to grow from our discussion. The joy of our conversion gives us confidence in the promises of God and certain hope that heaven is our home. Join us in that confidence and hope, and join us as we discuss this topic and our book, Conversion. podcast listeners to another episode of Most Certainly True Podcast. I'm Pastor Brian Hockman, one of the pastors here at Grace in downtown Milwaukee, and sitting across the room from me is another from our pastor staff, our friend, Pastor Jim Hebner. How are you today? Good. Thanks, Pastor Hockman. Good to be with you and the podcast listeners for another of the Most Certainly True Podcasts. What a fun thing that we're diving into this book of conversion in another chapter just to chat a little bit, so that'll be fun. I should describe what I'm what I'm looking at sitting in the chair across from no me. No way. It would expose the day that we're recording, which is a week earlier than people ah, are listening. But yeah. it's Ash Wednesday. Yeah, you're as black as can be too. I've got I'm sporting the black suit. Yeah. You preach today. You're you're in between. We were just talking about that. You That's preach right. at noon and then um, crank it out at night again, right? The the wait from Sunday noon till Monday night, we're we're used to, but the <laughs> preach at noon and then again at six thirty, it takes a little bit of adjusting too. Yeah. But you're wearing your what would you describe your shirt as? It's not a turtleneck. It's a. I just happen to have a shirt that has a little bit more of a, a higher it's not collar a shirt collar, but a different collar that and it works well under time under when, the cassock. You, know, you watch golf tournaments and there were people like tiger woods for a while who sported these sort of closed collar they weren't t-shirts but they had that just lasted about a year okay <laughs> i happen to have purchased one that and it works well under the cassock so i don't wear the reverse collar uh, that some clergy people would wear so under the cassock where there's a little square opening there's a, a light notch. would show yeah. i just have this and it just then your neck is not like this white thing hanging through the... It just is handy. So did you buy this shirt for fashion or for the purpose no, of No, for putting, golfing. You did buy it for golfing. Okay. Absolutely. It's got a it logo just, on the sleeve. You want to see? I, I'm curious the primary function. So the primary function is golf. It has a secondary right. function of being your, well, now, your Ash Wednesday and Good Friday undergarment. Now I, would, I don't wear it on the golf course anymore. It's <laughs> way out of fashion. It's out of style. <laughs> right, right, right. I just save it for Ash Wednesday and Good Friday. So secondary f- mm-hmm. function has become the primary function. And it's a material that's going to last until Jesus comes back in glory. So it's not going to wear out. So I, I remember when I first got here, you were describing we do cassocks on Wednesday, mm-hmm. on Ash Wednesday and, mm-hmm. and Good, Good Friday. Friday. And you were trying to describe that shirt to me. And I'm just going to have to wait and see where it <laughs> yeah but it works well it does <laughs> but with the um beginning worship as we do on ash wednesday and good friday and we're just so thrilled and used to having a time to greet people before and after worship it just feels weird and that sets off our ash wednesday and good friday worship as unique and different with 
begin in silence and leave in silence. There's a reason we do that, you know, for the contemplative nature of those services. And uh, so, you know, you just, you aren't out there with a shirt and tie on. You yep. We're in the sacristy and put it on the cassock and you come out and do your presiding or preaching and then you're back in the sacristy. It is interesting, and the church year, following the church year, affords us these opportunities to to set some of these things apart. Ash mm-hmm. Wednesday as a a service of repentance, and then to get to do the similar things on Good Friday, where uh, we're not wearing the normal elb and stole, mm-hmm. and um, there there's a different feel to to these couple of services on the yeah. something about the stark black up in the front of the sanctuary is this is different mm-hmm. and um processional really- candles are not in the chancel during lenten season and um that all comes back with easter as we process with cross and the paschal candle we still have out but obviously not lit till the easter season and you know there there's there's things that we can do that is really help us with the contrast and the, the conveying the message of what's happening. Yeah. It's never struck me that you go from the glory of transfiguration and the white to black. Mm-hmm. It of course has that you go from black, dark, good Friday to the white of, of Easter, Easter dawn. Mm-hmm. It never struck me that you're doing in that reverse, kind of in reverse yeah. at the beginning Farewell of the season. Hallelujah, you know, right. And all that, White and light and white pyramids on, on transfiguration and processional and all that kind of stuff is you know that's stark and gone and it's it's um it's like we're back on the Christian worship symbolism chapter huh <laughs> don't check your dial you did tune in to uh, to the conversion yeah. <laughs> but so no. happens we're happen to chat on, uh, on Ash Wednesday Ash Wednesday is on our minds today so we've had debates over the years of introducing a position of ashes, you know, and Oh, that'd be a are, good thing are, to talk there about. Are members, you know, who have asked about that and um but there are plenty of others who in their growing up experience because it was done in the church they attended who was not Lutheran that they feel uncomfortable with it and associated with um some more work righteous approach to their worship life and you know so we want to be sensitive to everyone and i i know that in some settings in lutheran churches that imposition of ashes you know even taking the palm branches that were used for a palm procession and reducing them to ashes and using those with a little dabble of oil and you put it and some churches do that but we we've just we've debated we've talked about it just haven't felt that for the majority of folks it's the most comfortable thing to do for a lot of there are some members who would really enjoy having that as a symbolic action during ash wednesday to dust you are and to dust you return kind of an ash wednesday thing but just haven't uh, made it i think it would take more education and a yeah, lot of time for and sure. space for all of our members and it's not as easy with a larger church and a variety of backgrounds to just introduce something without full explanation. Right. I've never been a part of a church that's done it. They did introduce it when I was at the seminary and they had a service and mm-hmm. but they did a lot of instructing and here's yeah. here's what this is and what it isn't and yeah. we want you to at least 
know what this looks like and then you make the choice in your setting mm-hmm. uh, that you'll be serving in a couple of years and um, right so you know there are some things that we do some back in this worship thing now that we do symbolically that we can choose to do or not do and then so anyway that so we're not really talking in this podcast about the worship book. No, we aren't. Not, but it just happens to be this day. So. Nor are we talking about Christian freedom. That's Bible study Sunday That's mornings. Right. You That's should come. Up. You yeah. should come to that. Um, but we're be... talking about conversion. Conversion, right? So we're in chapter three of the book. If you haven't listened to our discussion on chapters one and two, mm-hmm. you should go back and listen to those. Um, or just, Brenner is the or master here. of the basics, right? And that's that's. And that's great. He has clear writing style and speaking style. I mean, that's just the way he presents things. And this book is illustrative of his style. Right. So It's been good to have that review of sin and grace. And now with this chapter, faith, mm -hmm. um, because these all are integral parts of understanding conversion. If you don't understand sin, you're not going to understand conversion. If you don't understand God's grace, you're not going to understand conversion so to, to lay that framework and that foundation um i think i i can't imagine writing a book on this topic without having that you can't just jump into right here's how this happens <laughs> because you need that you need that underlying foundation in order for any of this to yeah when you talk about faith so what do you think about faith <laughs> That's a loaded question, anyway. Pastor Hebner. <laughs> Let's back up a little you, bit. <laughs> I just wanted to throw that out just to see your reaction. It's kind of funny to see your face. <laughs> oh, I like it. You know, I, went, I agree. I agree with yeah, faith. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus likes it, and I like it too. Sorry, I throw you off. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know that. That's. I mean, finally, I'm just being kind of naughty there, but. I, you know the whole subject, right? Let's let's admit, just like if you'd use the word grace, for example, it is an abstract term, right? It, it, it faith, you know. So, so in in thinking it through, and he does a nice job in the book about what it is, and then especially where it comes from, and then how it works. I think that's a really a neat kind of way to think about this yeah. whole faith subject, right? Yep. Because, I mean, I throw that, uh, you know, what do you think about it? Well, duh. Because it starts with, you would, like he did, and I'm sure like we do and we teach it in Bible information class and stuff, you come off of the grace chapter, whether it's this book or the way we teach it in BIC, and forgiveness of sins and God's undeserved love is for all. So the logical conclusion might be for anybody who hears that, Everyone, well, everyone's goes going to, to heaven. Everyone yeah. goes to heaven. See, and that's not the case as as he starts off and we do too. And what? Because on, it's true for all that their sins are forgiven, but not all enjoy the benefits because they don't believe it. And there we have, now we're boom, we're into faith. Right. Which is a, a beautiful transition from grace to where we're at. So, yeah, that's, um, I think he does a nice job in laying that out and, you know, when you talk about its definition, he's got what it is not and what, what faith is, is not. Yep, right? let's be clear um, so that people understand when mm-hmm. we're talking about what isn't what it is not is important. And finally, the definition. I mean, we're not going to shortchange people who are doing podcasts, but you know, finally, you came, you come to when he gets on page thirty. You you eventually get to 
the Hebrews 11 passage. And I, I tend to quote it more in the original NIV sort of editions of okay. you know, faith. I, I do too. Be sure of what you hope for, the assurance of what you hope for, certain of what you don't I'm see. And that, that to me is just like the classic Bible passage for a faith definition, yep. which he gets to in this book. It's finally, it's trust that what God says is true. Right. And I love the, the what you do not see, because we don't always see God's promises or right. our lives don't always look like uh, God's with me or mm-hmm. or that uh, this is mm-hmm. for my good as I'm staring down the barrel of a medical diagnosis or um, looking at an empty bank account. And this doesn't look like blessing. This doesn't look right. like what's best for me. But faith points to the promises. And even if I don't see it, I can I can still live my life knowing that that it is in fact true this chapter has reminders to me or little truths about it that conjures up stories that i've used and told again and again and again and again over and over over the years to illustrate you know what faith is and what it works and that subject of the definition of faith uh, the story that i've often used is um People sitting, for example, in a, well, I'll, I'll use the Bible information class setting because a lot of times these are people who are fairly new, you know, and um, I usually have some kind of a story where I address one of the people who may be someone that I've not met, or if it's only a couple times, and I toss out, reach in my pocket, and I pull out my keys. And I asked them, if you walked in tonight, I like this, and we hadn't met before, and I hold out these keys and tell you that at the end of this class, I have for you, parked around the corner on Market Street, a quarter million dollar Rolls Royce, and that when this class is over, these are the keys I'm holding in my hand. I'm going to give it to you, these keys. And... When class is over, I'm giving to you a free Rolls Royce, free gift. No, no tax, no nothing. It's just me, Pastor Hebner, giving you this. What are your chances of believing that there is a Rolls Royce around the corner and that when class is over, I'm going to give you this gift? What are your chances of believing that? I can't play this game because I do know you. (laughs) (laughs) And everybody, you know, would say, well, of course, that's crazy. Yeah, no way. You know, where are you, Pastor Schmuck, going to get some kind of, you know, quarter million dollar car to give That's That's not, not, I'm not believing that. Right. I know what your means are, and it's not to give me a car. I know what normal behavior is, and it's not to give a gift like that to a stranger. All the things that I can see and observe tell me that, no. warning, 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 this isn't real. Not the chance of believing that are zero, right? But, but if I were not the pastor here, I'd go on with my little story. But I happen to be the richest person in America, richer than Warren Buffett and Bill Gates put together, and all, you know. And 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 over the last fifteen years, you have seen my ugly mug on every possible media outlet, the social media, and TikTok, and Instagram, and Facebook. And I've been on television. I've been on Oprah, and I've been on Late Night with you know Jimmy Fallon. I've been on. That's the guy, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I've been you know, I'm not going to say Jack Parr. I was going to say you maybe have to update your. You maybe have to update your right. your richest people in America to Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos, but otherwise, yeah. <laughs> he is right. 
whatever you want to use. But if, if I were that guy, the richest person in America, and you've seen my face on all media outlets, and I've been interviewed, and and the subject of the interview is the fact that over the last 15 years, I have consistently traveled around the nation, and in my limo, stopped the car, and gotten out, walked up to complete strangers on the sidewalk, handed them keys to a brand new Rolls Royce, and I have been giving away free Rolls Royces to hundreds of people over the last 15 years, and this has been documented on every media outlet. And you've seen this for 15 years, and now you walk in to the Gray Center, and here I am, this richest guy, and I say to you that around the corner after class, there is a Rolls Royce I'm giving you free, and here's the keys when class is over again. What's the chance that you believe it? I might believe that. Well, yeah, yeah, because why? You've got the track record. And who is the one speaking? Well, that's what faith is. Faith is trust, the assurance of what, you know, the, the confidence of what you don't. You don't see heaven. You do not see the forgiveness. But who's telling you this? It's God who says, heaven is yours. Your sins are forgiven. What's the chances you believe in that? Well, you've got the trigger. You've got the Holy Bible. You've got all of the wonderful accounts of how God has worked in people's lives over time in history. And the chances, that's what faith is. Faith is simple trust. That what God says is true, even though you don't see it, even though, right? And so when he says heaven is yours, well, I, I believe that. Why? Because it's God talking to me, right? And that's why the Hebrews 11 passage, I think, is such a beautiful one. It's the assurance. It's being sure of what you hope for, certain of what you don't see. That's faith. It's trust. That what God says about me is true. If he's going to say, I'm a filthy sinner and I deserve hell, well, of course I'm going to believe that, because he says it, and I also personally know it's true. I can observe that, right. And then he also says, I've removed your sin from my sight, and I've declared you to be innocent, even though you're not, and I've given you full forgiveness. I don't necessarily even feel forgiven. I don't necessarily even see it, but I know it's true, and I believe it's true. I trust that it's true, because God is the one who says it. And uh, that's my little story about the faith. Yeah. He, he gets into like the three elements of what faith is, that it's more than just head knowledge. Yeah. Faith is not just having facts in your head. It's not being able to get an A plus on the, on the test. Right. Um, right. And then he talks about assent. It's the ability to agree and to, um, yeah, I had a, a colleague up in Alaska that, um, shared that with me head neck heart it's head knowledge it's assent i can nod and say yes i agree and it's also heart it has an impact on my life and i actually live my life like it's true um sometimes you maybe it's more than head knowledge it's, it's heart knowledge everyone's heard the the illustration about the trust fall right i can i can know that um there's something back there that might save me um but falling backwards and actually risking harm in the process is something completely different. Um, you, you can say, I think you can catch me, but to actually act on that knowledge, um, that's, that's more of a heart knowledge thing. That's the trust fall. Another way to illustrate the heart thing is with what baptism does for babies and plants forgiveness of sins, which creates faith. Well, then this business of, you know, can babies be believers? Well, of course, you know, you look at little kids, they trust. In fact, Jesus uses the illustration. The kingdom of heaven, people who have, have this marvelous message of good news in their heart, is made of people who trust like kids do. Kids just trust. Yep. 
even the littlest ones, right? They trust mommy and daddy. They trust. Isn't that interesting? Because they don't have the, they've never been burned. They don't have the experience of someone breaking a promise or someone doing something that was for their own interests and not for mine. And so you tell a child something and they're going to believe it because they, they don't have the negative experiences. They don't have life, which tells them that might not be right. <laughs> Amelia was just, you know, not even a year, maybe just able to weebles that wobble, kind of sit or stand or whatever. You put her up on a shelf and say, step back and say, jump. What's she going to do with daddy and mommy saying that? She's going to jump. She's going to jump. It's right. Mommy and daddy. She's, she's going to giggle and... <laughs> You're you're the one that's catching me. Because <laughs> <laughs> as we get to we mature, we start to lose that childlike trust. Yeah, right. It hurts. I've fallen down before, and it hurts, and I'm not going to do that. <laughs> right. We've had too many experiences, but when God says, you know, you can try. We that's why Jesus talks about kids. So faith, like I like that. What you your illustration had in your heart. You know, it's just. It's a matter of the heart. It, and then my next step on top of that for people is, are you still a believer in Jesus when you're sleeping at night? Yeah. Well, what about if you go into a coma, you know, like you're sick or you get hit by a bus or something? Well, are you a believer? Well, yeah. Faith is not just verbalizing, rationally thinking it through. It's a matter of what God does to my heart, and that's the same thing with a baby. Right. They can't tell you or rationalize or speak it. But it's something God does to our heart. Right. So that's a another way of talking about what faith is. And of course, he gets into now the next part is. Are you ready? Uh, I was just gonna say, and and that is what makes your Rolls Royce uh, analogy, or Brenner uses the million dollar check that's been handed to you analogy. I think that that drives that point home. That if I walk out of the classroom and say that's stupid and i don't take the keys um the car was still there the gift was still given but it's my lack of belief it's my lack of faith in in the promise that was made that results in my not being able to have it uh, before i get to that little illustration too i appreciate you bringing that up but back to the faith thing another way to talk about it is well i'm going to maybe save that for we talk about the object of faith but um my little story that also goes with the uh it's true whether you it, it's true whether you believe it or not i mean for you to enjoy it is uh the, the house fire story right and you know you've heard me talk about one of them i've used it a million times so a house burns down and you have to move out and you've got only the clothes on your back and a tent you're living in a park unbeknownst to you somebody rebuilds your house and it's fabulous right and it's done and you don't know anything about it but somebody comes along and tells you guess what your house has been rebuilt and you go wow really cool and you pack up your tent and go live in it now what did you do to build a house nothing you heard the announcement you trusted it was true and you enjoy the house but same scenario a house burns down and you're in the park living in a tent it's rebuilt somebody tells you that it's been done and you say for me nah and you stay in your tent is the house done yeah yep. are you enjoying it no that's the thing you mentioned about having the car if you don't right. believe it's around the corner or the house is done. I mean, it's the same thing. Yeah, we got into that a little bit in the last chapter with objective justification. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a fact, regardless of what you do with that fact. Whether you believe it or not, it, it's so it, true. It's objectively the truth. 
Um, this is why faith is such an important issue because you can write that off and say, well, no, it's what God did. and it's a, But, you know, his gift of faith, we'll talk about it's how we get it, is so essential because it makes it personal, makes it ours. And if you don't, I mean, even think about it, even the people burning in hell right now have their sins forgiven. They just didn't believe it, and that's why they're there. Right. It's still true, but they're not enjoying it. So faith is what allows us to enjoy what is true for all and becomes personal. It's a cool chapter on this. Yeah. He doesn't get into it, but um, some, is it church fathers would be the best way to describe them maybe? Talk about faith as being the receiving organ. Yeah. It's that thing that God gives us mm -hmm. to be able to receive it's his the empty grace. bowl he creates in us to right. dump his blessings right. into, right? So without faith, the blessings don't have a way to enter. They fall flat at your feet or they don't yeah. become yours. Mm -hmm. um, still a gift. I don't do anything to grow that organ in my body. I don't do anything yeah. to create that bowl or get my hands out. Um, Maybe that's just a place to insert that business, too, of the, the conversation about how we get it. Because it's the, the classic is Romans ten seventeen. Faith comes from hearing the message. Message is heard through the word of Christ. So not only is forgiveness a gift, but the faith to believe it is a gift. The whole package is a gift. So I'm not going to be in heaven, nor will you, throwing our shoulder out of joint, patting ourselves on the back for being such wonderful believers, having such great faith. Right. That's a gift, too. Those passages that um, that talk about being rewarded for having faith is such a... So God gives us a reward of grace and then... And then, or of faith, and then rewards. <laughs> he, he's uh, he's rewarding us for the things that he's rewarded us with, just yeah. blessing upon blessing upon yeah. blessing, and yeah. none of it our own works, and none of it anything that we've earned. Yeah, but all of it because of isn't it who the Ephesians two passage eight and nine with you know the whole thing is a gift, right? So we're not going to be boasting about what he did for us to save us grace, nor are we going to boast about the fact that we came up with faith on our own. No, the whole business is a gift. So that right. That's a great. I've used that about. analogy to talk about. So, do I play a role in in becoming a believer? And this is a funny way for Paul to say that you have a part to play. For it's by grace, undeserved love. You've been saved through faith, God's gift to us. Uh, and it's not from yourselves; it's the gift of God, yeah. not by works, so that <laughs> no one can boast. Yep. Six different ways you've been told this is God and not you. Yeah, that's a funny way for Paul to say you do your now you do your part. Yeah. This is this is all what God has done for yeah. us. Yeah. So even if I can say I believe, right? That's something God worked in me. It's not a decision I made. I didn't get this faith by my accept acceptance or I I have to I have to no, he creates. I believe I cannot by my own thinking or choosing believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to him. The classic line from Martin Luther in the explanation of the third article of the creed is still way cool and important for yep. us to remember in this faith chapter how do we get it that's a gift too right which then explains to us when when uh, paul and silas are talking to the jailer flip by and yeah. he says what must i do to be saved and his answer is believe in the lord jesus yeah. which is basically saying nothing saying have faith <laughs> saying <laughs> yeah. right you do nothing god, god will do it all for you yeah um that belief itself is a gift from God. It's not, you don't get yourself yeah. to a place of belief. But It's so hard, especially in American evangelicalism and, in in, you know, the American religion of, you know, we got to, we, we do, we act, we, we pull ourselves up by the bootstraps and we America free and independent. And, you know, we're, we're Americans, we can solve problems. And 
to get over that natural inborn sinful nature, that inclination that there's at least something I can do. So, okay, I'm not going to earn heaven by my works. Jesus did it all, but I can at least come up with faith. Right. And that's where uh, in American evangelicalism, people get off track. They, this is what separates Lutherans from the evangelical system. It is how do you get faith in the first place? Yep. Which then is is getting down to the reason I chose this book, because that's conversion is, mm-hmm. right? Am I converted because of what I have done or converted because right. of what God has done? Right. Um, and there's so much. This world is so merit-based. If good <laughs> stuff happens, it's because I'm a hard worker. If bad stuff happens, it's because I'm lazy. If I'm a good worker, I get a promotion. If I'm a bad worker, I get fired. Um, and that merit-based mm-hmm. world that we live in uh, slips into... Uh, people's attitudes about heaven and hell. Well, the world isn't just merit-based. I'm merit-based. Right. I was born that way. Right. You know, and that's my problem. I have to fight and you have to fight because we're all naturally that way. There's got to be some merit or some right. congratulatory message I'm going to... No. <laughs> what can dead people do? Nothing. You're dead in your transit. You know that... So even it, faith is a gift. I think it was... It was. It was Professor Brenner who uh, used to work in a morgue when he was he at did. the seminary. And he would, so I had him for doctrine class and mm-hmm. he would tell that story about, um, he said normally there'd be two people working mm-hmm. in the morgue, uh, but like late night shifts, they'd often have just one. And he said that was for sure when the largest, heaviest person would come in when he was working alone. And um, he used that as the as yeah. the analogy of what does it mean to be dead in transgressions and sins? It means you can do nothing. Mm-hmm. So he would always hope that some of these obese people that came into the morgue could just nudge themselves uh, off the gurney and onto Not. the table. But no, they were dead. <laughs> they were doing nothing. The stories uh, I heard because we were roommates and friends and he's only a couple <laughs> years ahead of me it was when he would work summers in that job and driving the hearse through town with the window down and his elbow after he'd a delivery, you know, and then he'd honk and wave at some girl walking down the street, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know as, as this single college guy, you know, or whatever, <laughs> in the hearse. Can you pick up chicks in a hearse? That's right. <laughs> that I'm sorry, but that's that podcast material right there, and I don't want to throw my friend Presser Brenner under oh. the bus, but that is a hilarious well, picture in my mind. You've already. I could see him doing it, you know. <laughs> that is great. Yeah. But he would tell that on himself. So sure. Just, yeah. Was he, and knowing <laughs> Professor Brenner, he was doing it just to, just because this is yeah, goofy, it's ridiculous. Right, right. Exactly. <laughs> hey, this won't work. Hong Kong. Yeah, he, and, he, <laughs> and he knew that, but it would just be because that's you know, funny. Yeah. yeah, it is. This it's is just, a moment to do something, something comical. Something, so I'm gonna. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you've already um, shared some of some of those details about. Uh, about his dating life. So we know already that, oh, yeah, that yeah. the picking up girls in the hearse didn't work. So. <laughs> oh, we shouldn't Full uh, circle. do that. I, I love him to death as my dear, 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 dear friend. So I got to be careful, but it's still a funny story. So, But I like, you know, he gets in the chapter and we should talk too because we're going to go on forever on a podcast about this. But finally, you can talk about faith and what it is and where it comes from. But then you got to talk about the object of faith and that, you know, everything, there's tons and tons of stories, but you know, the obvious one is like you said about leaning back. I, t- I talk about leaning for like on a table. I can illustrate that in class. And if I'm standing up and I tell people, I believe, I trust in my heart. I have faith that this table will hold me up. And I actually 
lean forward and my hands catch myself when I'm leaning on it. And then I say, stepping back, and now I believe with all my heart and trust with all my, I have great confidence and faith. This air will hold me up and I lean forward. I don't do it because falling on my nose would be an ouchie. <laughs> but the, the illustration, I think, plays out. It's one thing to have faith, which is absolutely necessary to enjoy the promises God gives. But if you have faith in the wrong thing, if your faith is that's not nothing, good, right? you're going to fall right through to hell. If I have trust in myself or in, even in my faith, I believe in my believing. Well, not going to work. My believing can go up and down. Some days I feel like a strong faith. Some days a weak faith. Some days feeling great. Some days not so great. But you got to have your faith, the object, the right, right. thing. Jesus and what he did is the solid rock. That, Which then becomes that counseling moment mm-hmm. when, you, when you're meeting with the shut-in or the hospital mm-hmm. person who knows that death is looming. And every once in a while you'll hear, I don't know if I have enough faith. And that's faith in faith instead of faith in Jesus, faith exactly. in object. And usually the person who, who does that has faith. They have faith in Jesus. Mm-hmm. They just are, are looking at the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. The comfort well, you find. Well, they're looking at themselves. Comfort you find is in the object, not in your right. ability to connect yourself to the object. And the person in the office who says, "I like you said, whether it's a home shut-in bounder and you know whatever i don't think my faith is good enough i don't think i'll be in heaven well do you believe that you're a sinner and deserve god's yeah do you believe that jesus paid for all those sins his perfect life is transferred yeah well then you have sounds pretty good yeah (laughs) you have enough that faith that you're fine amen let me tell you some good news (laughs) stop looking inside of yourself whether your faith is good enough and looks outside of yourself and ask if jesus was a good enough did he live a perfect enough life did he die a a good enough death to pay for did he rise did he did he yeah yeah and then you look outside and your faith i want my faith to grow well look outside yourself and then it will that's a good that's a good rule of thumb to keep in mind for people to, how do you get your faith to be, I'd like to have stronger faith. Well, then don't look inside, look out and ask if I have a good enough savior, your faith will grow. Yep. Talk about the difference between strong and weak faith. I can remember our professor at the seminar, I still use the story about the frozen creek in wintertime, you know, and so now all these stories are podcasts I'm going to, people who, they're not going to be in our Bible information class. We encourage people in the first episode to take the Bible information class. So you can come and... uh, You'll hear these again. You can spoil the stories. You can can tell the ending during the middle. Well, you know what it's like, (laughs) and I'm sure if you're in a wintry mix in Alaska, it's true in northern Wisconsin. I mean, people get this if they're out in the woods and they're walking or hiking, and let's say that you are, and then you need to get a... There's a creek, right? And you'd have to get to the others in order to get safety or home or whatever. You have to go across this creek. But you know what that's like if you're stepping out on ice. I remember that's like when I was a kid and we lived along a lake and, you know, you step out with one foot and put it on the ice and you hear it crack even a little, right? You know, and you're kind of a little nervous. And so very gingerly, you take the next step, right? And then it takes you like you're starting to sweat under your ski cap and stuff and you just get across this creek with every step is as ginger and as careful as can be and you hear the little ice crack, but you make it to the other side. And just as you get there, you hear this rumbling noise, and sure enough, there's a guy driving a beer wagon with six horses and barrels of beer, and he go, drives right over the creek. Well, you had very little faith in the ice. The beer wagon driver had a lot of faith. What's the point? The ice held you both up. It's the object of faith that is the key. 
whether weak or strong faith, if you have trust in the right thing, that's that's the key. And that's what he talks about, too, in this chapter. He uses, I think, the other illustrations. But there's, those stories all fit this chapter. So. Your story reminds me of the time we went to go visit with some ice fishermen on the way up to ah. on the way up to New Ulm. What is the name of that lake that Wasika? Is lake. There's two. Okay. There's Clear it's, Lake and Loon Lake. Okay, I in forget Wasika. I forget which one it was, but we pulled over and parked and walked out and knocked on the door of a of a fish ice fishing hut and That'd probably be the first one Clear Lake if you're going to the west be. and there's a A&W that's on the corner of yeah, 14. I think that's the one. Mm-hmm. So we surprised them. But, hey, we're college students, and we've never been ice fishing. Can you tell us what it's about? And we're making good times, so we got... <laughs> got some moments we want to ask you what it's like. So they thought that was... I think they even offered us a beer. Like, ah, we're actually getting back we're, in the car. Driving, thank thank yeah. you, though. But <laughs> they, they got a kick yeah. out of getting to talk to someone while yeah. they were out there ice fishing. <laughs> yeah. That is but an yeah, interesting say, phenomenon. It was... Uh, we always wondered, like, is this going to be safe? But then you look out and you see the truck. Like, oh. Well, if the truck makes it, I'm going to make it too. Yeah, I can, I can drive put right my out faith of the in this I mean, because that would make me uncomfortable. Because there's plenty of stories. I mean, I talked to my daughter and son-in-law, and they live up, you know, Lake Butamore and Lake Winnebago. There's mm-hmm. there's sturgeon and they're ice fish. You know, this is a winter thing around the Oshkosh area, and there's plenty of vehicles that are on the bottom of that lake. Oh yeah, Butamore is not that deep, and I guess there's some warnings because. When you're when you're in the summertime boating, you have to be careful because there's your propeller might hit not oh. shallow ground, but vehicles. Okay, that have fallen through. <laughs> <laughs> that is interesting. Yeah, is there some sort of like current that goes through there that keeps the ice from, or just people are stupid? I think it's a time of the year when the ice gets thinner and they just okay. haven't pulled off soon enough. Okay, you know it's one of those kinds of things. So. I'm sure that is across the upper Midwest where people do ice fishing. There are plenty of trucks. Warnings, get off the ice, and you just don't pay attention. Yeah, there's still fish to catch. Yeah. <laughs> well, get your boat, you know. So. Right. But, yeah, that's ice holding you up. So it's, this, is a, this is a fine, wonderful chapter because the topic is so wonderful. And faith is, you know, if you're spending that much time thinking about and and talking about and discussing and proclaiming and preaching grace, it's not often that we preach faith because to know what it is and how it operates is important in this chapter, but really it's the proclamation of God's grace that creates faith. So we don't necessarily have to preach it. You you preach Jesus and faith happens, you know. The Spirit uses that as tools. Say, it's a little bit like the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy right. Spirit we don't spend a ton of time talking about, but he's there working with the he is when working. the gospel is pro- is proclaimed. Right, right. So the hidden member of the Trinity, right? <laughs> That's another Bible study, but we should maybe next maybe yeah. our next book. Well, this has been a great uh, chapter and a great topic and Yeah, it's good to, good to have the opportunity to to have this review. Um, faith is God's gift to us, the receiving organ, the ability to to believe in in the good news, the, the ability to know that heaven is, is ours because of what Jesus has done. And oh, in faith, we can say... We sure can. This, this is, is most, most certainly, certainly true. Thanks for listening. We'd love to share more about God's love with you. 
Check us out at www.gracedowntown.org. There, you'll find worship times, our pastor's contact info, and a lot about our ministry in and to downtown Milwaukee. We hope to connect you to the grace of God again soon.